Welcome everyone to All About Windows Phone Insight podcast number 90, recording this on Tuesday, 4th of March 2014, which seems like a, an eternity away from Mobile World Congress, but that's where Mr. Rafe Blanford was last week, so welcome back. That's absolutely right, Stephen. Thank you for welcoming me back. It kind of seems like yesterday, MWC is one of the uh, I think heaviest conferences to attend in terms of energy sapping and all the news and stuff that's going on. So it's good to have had the weekend to recover and digest some of the news that was coming out. Because in terms of kind of the, the news flow and some of the things that got announced, it's one of the busier MWCs we've had for a few years, even if that's perhaps not at first glance true for the Windows phone world. Uh, so it's good to be back and be able to share some of the news and views with all our uh, listeners. Yeah, it, it's tempting to say, looking at um, you're on the ground there, you're in Barcelona, and not very much content has come back other than the initial live blogs. But I will stick up for you here because uh, what you've done in future and past events is rather than concentrate on the obvious news and the obvious stories, the things everyone else is talking about, you do, do a very nice line in taking obscure bits of technology, things that are really interesting that no one else in the entire world has covered, and then and then sh- showing those and highlighting those for our readership. So well done on that. <laughs> well, thank you, Steve. Uh, the other thing we should say about MWC is it's actually our chance, and well, certainly my chance, to go and see a lot of the technology and the other devices that we might talk about in comparison pieces and kind of take the temperature of the mobile industry. And I will talk about that a little bit later in the podcast, um, but it's a very intensive week. And a lot of the writing that we do, then do later in the year or then talk about on the podcast is very much informed by what we hear at MWC. Uh, and while you're right, it was a bit light content-wise, and I apologise, but they always intend to do more. But when you get on the show floor, there's so much to see and even spending four days there, I probably only saw a fraction of the stands and you have to pick and choose what you go and see. And so wanted to make the most of it, but hopefully everyone will benefit from hearing about both in this podcast, but also many subsequent podcasts and editorial pieces on the site. But there are, are a couple of really cool pieces of technology uh, that I want to write up for the site and kind of standalone pieces. And then there'll be some more kind of thoughtful analysis over the longer term about some of the things that were announced and also the leading obviously to windows phone 8.1 which was kind of lurking beneath the surface very much at this show yeah i I guess it's fair to say that it was a fairly quiet show in terms of windows phone news but as far as i can see that's because the timing timing was just a bit wrong and microsoft has got this build big build conference i think it's in april this year and as you say, Windows um, Phone 8.1 just wasn't quite ready enough to be launching devices and actually showing too much stuff off. So I guess if MWC had been a month later, it might have been a very different show in terms of Windows Phone coverage, at least. That's right. I mean, there is some really, really important Windows Phone news that we'll talk about in a minute. But in terms of kind of consumer-facing stuff, you know, new devices, which is what everyone looks out for, you know, very quiet because there wasn't a, a single Windows Phone device um, that I'm aware of. I might have missed one on an obscure stand somewhere, but I don't think so. Uh, but you're right, there is this build conference coming up and it's going to be the announcement of Windows Phone 8.1 and I think multiple devices as well. And Windows Phone 8.1, I think, is the biggest upgrade in the history of Windows Phone. And I say that based on all the rumours and the leaks we've seen. We don't, of course, have anything official on it yet. Well, that's not true. We got a, kind of a little bit of MWC, but more on that in a moment. Uh, whether that's because they've deliberately decided to kind of wait a month or it's not ready, I actually think it's com- you know, a combination of the two. 
the new version of the platform is due to arrive kind of spring summer and there will be nothing wrong with announcing it kind of a month early but there's so much going on at mwc how do you stand out from the crowd is it better to have your own standalone device and obviously build is microsoft's big developer event and so they kind of get more attention from developers by doing it like that and they don't have to share you know the new cycle with anybody you know, we commented, or rather you and wrote an editorial on this and say, was it a mistake not to be more present at MWC? I think having been there on Balance Note probably wasn't. There is a kind of the risk that people will stop talking about it or not be that interested when it gets announced. But one of the things that kind of surprised me most about MWC was the acceptance that Windows Phone has really arrived as the third ecosystem. And so when I was talking to a lot of companies, be it wearables or app providers or service providers, they were all saying, yes, yes, Windows Phone is on our roadmap. If they hadn't launched products, they were certainly planning to do so or aware of its existence, and yes, we plan to support it. That's a notable change from previous years when there was, a, I think, a healthy degree of scepticism about what would happen to the platform, and you know, it would get mentioned in the same breath as BlackBerry. It became very clear as the week went on that although there's a lot of work still to do, it's very much arrived as the third platform. And that's interesting because we've been talking about that for quite a while on the podcast, but getting that impression more generally was really quite, uh, for me, in one sense, the biggest standout of MWC. Yeah, that's good to hear. Um, well, I guess we should go on with some of the announcements that did happen. We had the Microsoft uh, press conference, I think, on the Sunday, and that's nine right. new hardware partners for Windows Phone. That's uh, LG ZTE. Well, I guess they were already a kind of partners. Lenovo, Foxconn, Joni, is that how you pronounce it? JSR, <laughs> Carbon, Lava, like Bracket, Zolo, and Longchair. I've never heard of half of those, Ray. Were they actually on the ground? And Is anything going to happen? Honestly, you're not the only one. Half of us were sitting in the press conference going, who are they? I, I think I'd heard of um, all but two of those, and one of them I'd sort of heard about, but Juni was a new one for me. They're another of one of these uh, Chinese, I believe, or I think I've got that right, a manufacturers, much like kind of ZT or Huawei, but at an earlier stage in the development. And they were on the show floor. They weren't talking about Windows. I did go and ask them, but couldn't find anyone that was able to comment on it publicly, apart from pointing at the uh, kind of Microsoft announcement. But there's some big names in there. I think Lenovo and Foxconn in particular you'd pick out, uh, having not had anything to do with Windows Phone before. As you say, LG and ZT have a bit of history there. Um, and then, of course, there's some of the Indian manufacturers like Lava and Carbon, which we've written about on the site. These are all companies that are sort of relatively specialised in their home markets, as these smaller ones, but are starting to produce quite a lot of devices. And it's what happened in the Android world a, a few years ago, kind of the displacement of some of the traditional manufacturers by these smaller ones, mainly based in China, but also increasingly now in India as well. And some are coming from uh, Korea and perhaps Taiwan as well, that have you know, specialized in producing pretty low value devices, but, you know, really going on the kind of the cheap angle. It's not necessarily feeling cheap devices, but at low cost. And that's sort of where the growth of the smartphone market is. That was kind of another trend of MWC, kind of this emphasis on the mid-tier or even the low end, really, because that's where most smartphone sales growth is going to be in the next three or four years. It's the high end sort of becomes saturated to an extent. And it's, you know, pushing that price of devices down and converting more mobile phone users across. It'll be interesting to see how many of these actually come off. You know, talking to a couple of the companies, they were willing to say they were working on Windows phone devices, but not really do anything more than that. I suspect they're maybe under quite strict guidelines from 
uh, Microsoft itself. But even if only half of them produce device, that's radically going to expand the number of device manufacturers working on Windows Phone devices, and that can only be good for the for the platform. I think the emphasis on all of these will tend to be towards the mid tier and the low end. And actually, one of the other things that Microsoft announced that he kind of partnered with. Qualcomm to do a reference design. For those that don't know, the the best way to think about this is kind of an off-the-shelf device that's ready to go that a manufacturer can then customize. That may include putting in some of their own components, but more often than not, it's actually kind of putting inside its own casing and maybe rearranging uh, a few bits and choosing what kind of resolution camera to have. And you know, Microsoft, to go with this, kind of has a partner site where it's creating drivers and the integration bits, you know, the stuff that holds everything together from a non-technical viewpoint that they can then plug in. And so these manufacturers would be able to take one of these reference designs and then choose from several hundred components, customize it, put it in their own case, do their own design and then put it on the shop shelves, it's a much faster and a much cheaper process than designing a device from scratch yourself. And it's how all these companies tend to operate in the Android world, this idea of reference designs. And you can have a reference design that's kind of partly complete or very complete, and that will obviously have an impact on the pricing. But it's probably the most far-reaching announcement for Windows Phone this year that there's this strong support from the Qualcomm reference design platform now for Windows Phone, which is going to enable many more manufacturers than was previously possible to create Windows Phone devices. And this announcement of nine new hardware partners is really a reflection of that more than anything else. Yeah. yeah. Talking of devices, I did hear uh, rumours from the, the MWC floor that there was an answer to the question that many of us have been asking for months now, is that when Microsoft finally, finally takes over Nokia's devices division, uh, what will happen in terms of the branding and naming of devices? Will we still be getting, will we, will we be getting Microsoft Lumias or will they still be branded as Nokia Lumias, even though Nokia is now part of Microsoft? And I gather it's uh, the Nokia name is going to carry on. Well, there's still actually no absolute clarity on this because the decision won't get made until the acquisition by Microsoft is finalized and ultimately it'll be up to them. But there were some indications of that. I wouldn't read too much into it yet. What we can say is there's not going to be an immediate switchover. Uh, looking back at the original agreement, there was this idea that the Nokia brand would continue for mobile phones, but not for smartphones. It's entirely possible that that will get modified. But certainly the first set of devices, either ones we're expecting to be announced at Build, are probably still going to have the, the Nokia name on them. You can actually see that in some of the leaks that have happened for the devices, most notably the Lumia 630, still carrying the Nokia brand. And those will be being manufactured now, so it's kind of too late to go back on that. It's still possible that the Nokia name will go away from smartphones. I mean, we said before that in some markets that's a mistake. In other markets, it's probably not a problem. Um, it is clear that you know if it's not Nokia, it will just be called Lumia. And I wonder if you know Lumia would replace the Nokia logo. Um, so although there was was some chat around that, I think actually the final decision hasn't been made yet. Yeah. Okay. Um, before we leave the uh, Microsoft press conference, just uh, 30 seconds from you on new enterprise features, most of which I have no idea what any of this means. S-MIME, S- well, I know what they mean, but I've never actually used them consciously, and I doubt most consumers would even recognize the acronyms. S-MIME, VPN, EAP, TLS, Wi-Fi support, <laughs> extended MDM, 
certificate management. Is, is, this, is this a big deal, Rafe? Yeah, it is a big deal because this is going to make the, the whole platform more attractive to enterprise users. And it's probably one of the big areas for growth this year. Uh, for example, in the UK market, we're at around 10% in the consumer space in terms of new smartphone sales. If you look in the enterprise space, though, it's actually edging up towards 15, even 17% for the most recent uh, kind of sales period. Nokia expect that to continue. And in order to do that, they do kind of need to burnish their enterprise credentials a bit. The EPN is a big one because that allows you to you know, get into a, kind of your company's network across the internet. So it can be important for accessing corporate data services and apps. And it's, it has been a notable hole. Some of the others, uh, maybe not quite so critical, but I would identify um, SMIME, which you were talking about there, encrypting email. That's a really important one. And particularly also having the certificate management work properly because that's important for when you're doing uh, mobile device management or anything related to authentication. And that mobile device management stuff is important because it lets you control the device kind of remotely. It can set up users. It saves all that hassle of a user having to enter details themselves. I mean, that's the sort of thing it will enable, which for a consumer, you go, well, I don't mind doing that. But in the you know, enterprise environment where you might be deploying thousands of devices and have users who are less tech savvy, it's actually a, a big deal that you'd be able to not only kind of set it all up for them, but even install applications and do that all remotely. And that's stuff that's coming in Windows Phone 8.1. And it was kind of that first glance at Windows Phone 8.1 one i mean there's going to be so much that i suspect right so i said oh we'll yeah. talk a little bit about it it was never actually referred to as windows phone 8.1 it was always the next version of windows phone but we did get confirmation that kind of all existing devices will be getting the update so that's kind of it's we've had that a couple Theory. of times now Theory. <laughs> we, we should perhaps talk a little bit also about um, some of the new hardware features uh, that were announced um should we go into that a bit steve yeah, yeah, far away. I've got a, some some of my selected uh, software features that leaked from eight point one, eight point one, which I'm eager to get into. But you go with the hardware first. Yeah, well, this is this is official in that it's been announced um, rather than kind of rumoured. Although I think the rumours are increasingly accurate. And this is just to note that Microsoft actually announced extended support for processors. So it's the Snapdragon two hundred, four hundred, and four hundred LTE, um, all aimed at kind of the lower cost devices and complementing the Snapdragon eight hundred that you've got in the fifteen twenty and the Icon. It's important also when you uh, connect it with another bit of announcement, which was kind of announcement that they'd pushed the hardware requirements for Windows Phone lower. So things like just having four gigabytes of internal memory, five twelve megabytes of RAM having soft keys or, or as the navigation keys rather than kind of the hardware keys that's the navigation keys the back the windows and the search key can be on the screen they don't actually have to be physical or capacitive keys anymore there's also uh, the option to remove the car the, the camera capture button so that's no longer a requirement all of those are aimed at making it cheaper to produce windows phone devices and actually we've speculated and there's been rumors on all of these um, so far there's also some extra support for different communication standards, things like TDSCDMA and TDLTE, just expanding the number of markets in which Windows Phone can particularly operate, important out in China in particular. But I'd actually concentrate on the lower cost devices, particularly if you look at something like the Snapdragon 200, which is really lower than anything currently got on Windows Phone. If you then couple that with four gigabytes of internal memory, 512 megabytes of RAM, and the soft keys I was talking about, that's you know going to, result in a pretty low cost device we're probably talking anything up to a 30 percent cut in the current bill of materials so i can just about envisage windows phone getting down to the 
let's say the 60 pound or maybe the 80 dollar price point uh, and that's kind of list price i mean we've seen the lumia 520 at that kind of price on the high street but that's been heavily subsidized so that's a really big deal immediately people are going to put up their hands and go only four keybacks of internal memory that's not going to be enough but there was a blink and you miss it moment in the press conference when it was mentioned that there'll be better sd card support so you'd be able to install apps and content to the sd card currently on windows phone you can only put content on it no apps and so that kind of problem of you know very low internal memory devices that we had most notably i think really with windows phone 7.5 it kind of we didn't get it so much with windows phone 8 uh, is going to go away so those that kind of new hardware support that was it was didn't get the same attention is actually really really important because it's going to enable windows phone to get to lower price points you know sell more devices and there was kind of one more in that kind of realm and that was the announcement of dual sim coming to windows phone with a kind of really easy to use system whereby you'd have a live tile for each sim you know telephone and messaging apps uh, on the start screen actually you can combine the messaging ones together into a single live tile like you have link inboxes for email uh, but that dual sim experience and dual sim support it may not be relevant to western markets indeed you know i don't think any operator in the uk is ever going to sell a dual sim device but for markets like india where you can often make substantial savings by having two sims you know you have one maybe for long distance and one for local or you've got one set of friends on one network another set on another network uh, you know support for dual sim is really critical and it's not just india there's quite a few markets uh, in the middle east and asia where it's also really popular and so you know, having that is going to be a, a big deal especially when you pair it as i say with those low-cost devices and so they're not really announcing very much um, on the face of it there's actually quite a bit of information about the next version of windows phone for all that new hardware support um, really with the big focus on the kind of the lower end devices and sort of growing that part of the market just as windows phone did in 2013 um, but there's a lot more to come at, um, at build and see if you said you'd picked out a few of your you know interesting rumors or favorite rumors yeah. bits of information um, i'm curious what what were they well, I just say you've just been talking about the official stuff. I, I, we should mention that there's been an awful lot of unofficial um, videos and information coming out from developers who've got the SDK, and also some people who've actually got it. Uh, the what they claim to be a leaked build of the actual Windows Phone 8.1 on a device and shown off a video. And uh, we've been covering a few of these in our flow um, column under the tag "unconfirmed." Obviously, my favourite two. I think the two that will impact. Um, end users the most in terms of an obvious visual and operational difference are the the start screen background where you can actually in settings you can tick um, uh, to use a photo as the background for your generic live tiles and, and the OS will in, in dynamically in real time apply the photograph of your choice to the what would otherwise be um, plain tiles with plain coloured backgrounds according to your theme. This is a really really nice professional look. I, I love the screenshots, Rafe. Yeah, I I, I personally not a fan of this kind of thing i prefer keeping oh. <laughs> symbol with the accent colors but i do think it's a very clever way of introducing personalization that does more than just introducing kind of a wallpaper because you could put this just on the background but actually how it works is effectively to make all the live tiles transparent and if you've got apps that follow kind of the standard windows phone guideline you kind of have that you know white uh, kind of mask and then the accent tile color underneath this instead will put a photo and i think if you choose the right photo it can look really yeah. quite spectacular i suspect people will choose all sorts of horrific looking photos <laughs> and you know it will look horrible i mean the purist in me sort of shudders slightly but it, it's nice to see this coming in it also caught my attention that um with that 
there'll also be a setting that allows you to add more live tiles to the home screen. And actually what this means is kind of turning on and off the option to have a, a third column of live tiles as you have on the 1520. I don't think this will apply to all devices. I'm sure it will depend on the side of the screen. Uh, but having used that third column of live tiles on a 1520, I'm, I'm quite keen to see that come to some of the other devices because um, I don't want it on a device as big as the 1520, it's just too big for me, but on a five inch screen or even maybe the four and a half inch screens, um, that could be a, a nice thing to have. The other thing that came out this week was um, Cortana, yeah. which is the digital assistant. We still don't have a full picture of that, but it's going to looks like it's going to be a combination of kind of Siri and Google now. And I think that's going to add a real boon to the platform, particularly if some of it's kind of semi intelligence, if I can call it that, you know, really works effectively. Um, because I think, you know, both Siri and Google now have their appeal. And it's interesting, Microsoft appears to be combining the two. And it's all based on, you know, Bing technology. You can think of this as an evolution of the search functionality of Windows Phone. But um, when, when it works, both Siri and Google now can be wonderful. Um, equally well, they can be very frustrating. So it'll be interesting to see how well Microsoft's uh, implementation works. But I, I will say... On the Windows 8 machines, I think Microsoft have done a good job introducing smart search. And if they can combine that onto Windows Phone with perhaps some of the semi-intelligence of Google now in terms of alerting you when to leave for a meeting or about tracking flights or packages or things like that, then it could be really quite a promising feature. Do we know how Cortana, Cortana or Cortana will, will be triggered? How was it a long press on a particular button or icon? How, how is it? Working? My understanding is, and this is kind of unconfirmed sources, I guess I should say, is that it will be a long press on the search button. That contrasts with the current kind of voice stuff, which is a long press, of course, on the Windows button. I suspect that means the Windows button might be used for something else and actually in windows 8.1 one of the kind of the less common features is the windows button's actually going to change functionality slightly and that it's going to cycle back and forth between your last open application and the start screen just as it does in windows 8 but i don't have any final confirmation on that so we'll, we'll obviously have to wait and see on that one but it's going to be triggered by the user as in i want to do a search um, and that will presumably still be the search button but there'll also be the voice tricking whereby uh, you hold down on the um, search key and it will automatically go into voice mode. It will also kind of pop information up automatically just as uh, Google Now does. So that, that might be travel information or weather or appointments. We don't actually know because um, very few people have seen it. Um, I haven't seen Cortana operating on the device yet. Yeah, I did see lots of um, uh, mocked-up Halo-esque screenshots of Cortana as the scantily-clad neon lady. I suspect we'll see something rather less sex uh, sexist, just a simple, <laughs> simple that, spinning circle, Ray. That, that's right. I mean, Cortana, the name, actually comes from Microsoft's Halo game series, where Cortana was kind of an AI character that went along with, um, make sure I get this right, John 117, one of the Spartan... Uh, kind of warriors uh, i suspect you're right yes we'll have something rather more simple on windows phone as much as people uh, might like to have an advanced sort of human avatar be that male or female you're you're right the information we have suggests it's going to be an animated circle that will sit both kind of on the bing search screen but also in the status bar when it's you know thinking about things or doing things a, a bit like you have the you know, siri has that that sense of personality as well i mean that's kind of what's interesting about this is it combines elements of both uh, siri and google now and the kind of google voice search 
And I think potentially if Microsoft can pull this off, it'll actually be better than the two because it'll combine elements of, of both. And it's kind of what Windows Phone does a lot of the time. It kind of sits somewhere between um, you know, Android and iOS and offers a bit of bit of both. Um, very interesting to see how it works out. I suspect the one fly in the ointment with this will be it won't be available in all markets in its full form simply because the kind of the voice recognition and things like that do require tuning for each market for each language not just accents it's also the way people phrase things and words so while it may be available in kind of the big 16 markets and i would expect that to include most of the major western european markets you know the us and china that's more difficult to say certainly the uk um, and the us we'll have to wait and see how widely available it is and i mean that's same true equally of um you know some of the google and apple equivalents um, but one thing that I think Microsoft does need to work on is making sure as many of the services associated with the platform are available in all markets. It's something that's kind of been an issue on Windows Phone. It, it dogs all smartphone platforms, if we're honest, you know, be that thinking about Xbox music or podcast availability and all that sort of thing. So it's one of the things I'm going to be uh, watching for carefully to see how much influence the kind of the global nature of nokia which has always been very much set up as an international company inevitably when you're based in a small country like uh, finland as your headquarters versus microsoft which has tended to be a little u.s centric at times yeah well cortana was going to be my second pick from Win the windows phone 8.1 leaks but do see our flow column on the site because there's been various other videos and leaks and race I risked most of them up with the unconfirmed tag, so do go and have a look at that. Um, I did want to mention, Rafe, just briefly, I've been ranting about this in a story on the site, which you'll link to in the show notes, uh, and also in other places. There, there's one sh complete show-stopping bug for me in Windows Phone at the moment. I'm, not, I'm completely in the dark as to when it appeared. Lots and lots of people have now confirmed it, and nobody can agree on exactly how it got introduced. But there is a show-stopping volume bug where if you switch between different media streams in mono or stereo, and Nokia have confirmed it's something to do with mono and stereo streams in an FAQ on, on Nokia's own site. Um, for example, going from a, pod, a podcatcher to playing music, to playing a game, to going back to the podcatcher, and you can be uh, hit with the volume controls being completely inoperative, such that you get the complete ear-jarring situation whereby you, 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 you flick onto uh, your podcatcher, having previously been listening to music at, say, 10 out of 30, and the the, the, the podcast comes blasting out at 30 out of 30 with the volume controls being unable to save your ears. And it's a, a really jarring bit of the Windows Phone experience. And it's caused me personally to just put the Windows Phone to one side until Nokia can sort this out. My gut feel is it's, it is that it's happened in the last few weeks. And it's something Nokia's introduced in one of their settings module updates. And hopefully, hopefully Nokia is, we know it's aware of the issue. Maybe it can isolate it to a particular uh, patch they applied themselves and they can reverse it or at least put in a fix because at the moment an awful lot of people are rather unhappy with uh, you know media volume on windows phone yeah it's interesting because i read up your article on this i haven't noticed it at all myself um it perhaps to do with the, what i'm listening to or the way i'm listening to it the suggestion is that it's kind of when two media streams overlap and presumably the system is you know adjusting the volume of one or not the other when you're pressing volume buttons it's not actually completely clear um as you say that kind of has been an acknowledgement of this bug but yes it is extremely frustrating i have to suspect that you're right that it's you know appeared relatively recently because i would have thought people would have noticed this before you know if it had been sitting around since you know windows phone was introduced or even since you know something like the uh, lumia black or the windows phone update three update had uh, arrived and 
I think your kind of thought that it might be the result of you know, a settings module update for audio or something like that, or extras in info, is is a possibility. I guess we can only cross our fingers and hope that it gets fixed as as soon as possible. Um, I certainly don't really want to have to wait around for Windows Phone 8.1 because for some of the existing devices that could be months away. I mean, I, you know, June time or the summer, even if it does get announced in sort of a, a month's time. Um, I guess we should say that with Windows Phone 8.1, there is going to be dual control of uh, volume control. I think we mentioned that in the last podcast. But um, whenever we talk about future updates, it's also important that sometimes the bug fixes to fix an immediate problem are even more important. Yeah, yeah. So I like you. I'm, I'm loath to wait four months for the update. So I just really hope that uh, Nokia can work out a fix that can be just applied simply over the air with a settings module or even a minor firmware update. I could, I'm, I'm sure that's more hassle for Nokia, but uh, I'm sure it can be done. In the meantime, there are, are a lot of unhappy Windows Phone users out there. Maybe not Mr. Ray Blanford. <laughs> I think people who switch between different between games and media often, i.e. a dozen times a day, they are hitting this issue now. And I'm certainly, I class myself as a power user. I I was using my Windows uh, phone, my Lumia 1020 for everything. All of the, every single media uh, application out there, including presumably a number of review items. So maybe I've got more applications on my 1020 than the average user. But I I was hitting that half a dozen times a day, every single day. And that just, I just couldn't cope with it. So my Windows phone is sitting by the side of my desk waiting for an update, Rafe. Well, it doesn't matter if it's only affecting a relatively small number of users. It's obviously, you know, it is a significant bug that, and I think probably the only reason I haven't run across it is because I haven't been doing that much audio in the last couple of weeks. Um, it depends on your usage pattern. It's actually a good point in general about smartphones. People will say there's a, a show stopping bug or there's a major problem or I can't use it because of this. There may well be, and I think that's, you know, this is a case where it's a pretty horrific one, to be quite honest. But people use their devices in different ways. And so just as you can say, oh, I don't need the 1020 camera, and some people say, oh, I do need the 1020 camera. Um, uh, you know, so when you hear someone say, I can't possibly use that device, or it's absolutely fantastic, just take a step back and think about your own particular usage and whether it will be impacted by that or whether that's an important factor to you, because everyone is different. But I really hope this one gets fixed because I really don't want to listen to uh, Steve complaining about it for the next <laughs> couple of months. So get on it, Microsoft and, and Nokia. And I suspect I'm going to come across this because uh, I you know, do spend some time you know, switching between games and I've probably just been lucky in that I haven't noticed it or haven't come across it. Or my earring's so bad I have to have it high all the time. <laughs> I suspect this is, it is exasperated by the number of things I've got on my phones. I th- I'm very tempted, Rick. I think I might just hard reset my 1020 and just put on the apps I actually use rather than all the review stuff all about Windows Phone. I think it's, it's uh, people maybe don't consider quite what we have to go through as reviewers. <laughs> we, oh, the hardship. I have three or four different Windows phones and they're all stuffed to gunnels with stuff that I've been reviewing, trying, writing up. And at some point, yes, it's probably a good idea if I just hard reset one of them, use it, that as my daily phone and just don't put on anything that's not strictly necessary. That may even, you know, uh, get around the, the magic combination of uh, factors which cause this bug to surface. So here's hoping. Anyway. Now, also at Mobile World Congress, uh, rather shocking to some, I was certainly not terribly enthused about the whole thing, but you were there actually on the ground. Um, Mr. Stephen Elop uh, stood up and announced a, a Nokia Android phone, totally outside the, uh, the, the, the the strict Microsoft ecosystem. But as it turns out, it ends up using Microsoft services. So I guess there was Microsoft involvement there, there after all. I know this is a Windows phone podcast, Rafe. So 
but how does the Nokia X in, um, fit into the, the, the Microsoft way of doing things? Yeah, 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 absolutely right. That was one of the big news announcements from the show. And you're right, it's not strictly Windows Phone, but I think most of the people listening to this will be interested in hearing about it, and particularly the way it might fit in with the Windows Phone strategy. But the first thing was it was everyone kind of sat there and went, wow, I mean, of course it had been leaked. But actually hearing Stephen Elop and Nokia, of all people, announcing an Android device was you know, quite an eye-opening moment. Every now and then you have a, a MWC or a mobile event some really big news happened, and obviously February the 11th, the switch from Symbian to Windows Phone was one of them. And so to see Nokia doing this kind of, again, there was a lot of just, wow, Android device, a lot of excitement around that. I kind of think it missed the point. Of course, it's important that it's an Android device, but obviously it's an Android open source project device, so it's not a, a Google Android device, and that's a really important distinction. And as you suggested that it doesn't run google services and i think android has become so associated with google particularly in the western markets that people kind of don't necessarily distinguish between the two when in fact android open source project devices in some markets far outweigh the google android devices you know china being a good example Uh, for western markets the easiest way i think to understand this is it's similar to what amazon did with their kindle fire tablets in that they've kind of forked it and then put their own custom ui and put their own services and stuff on it this is exactly what nokia has done and so you've got a, a custom ui which doesn't sort of bear that much relation to classic android in fact it's more of a mix between uh kind of asher touch os and windows phone it's kind of got some live tile like elements in a what's effectively a home screen with a you know it's a list of apps and you can change the size of those tiles and then move them about and then it's got uh, a fast lane ui which comes pretty much directly from asher which is the easiest way to think about that kind of a list of activities that you've been doing on your phone and you scroll back through time to see them so it can be music apps you've opened websites you've visited uh, things like that and clearly there is android underneath it so the big deal here is that it runs android apps it's kind of based on android jelly bean uh, 4.2 i think it is or 4.2.1 and so it's very capable of running kind of most of the recent Android devices, uh, sorry, Android apps, uh, but it doesn't have access to the Google Play Store. So Nokia have had to create their own Nokia store for this Android device, and they're starting to add apps to it. And it's very easy to port things across. I was talking to a couple of developers who said, you know, most apps will run unmodified straight away, about 75%. Uh, then there's some that will require sort of simple modifications and it's to do with the notification the mapping and the payment apis and nokia kind of done direct mapping so a few hours work most apps can be converted across there are of course always going to be exceptions to that and so that nokia store should get filled up quite quickly but in addition to that nokia is also supporting some third-party android app stores and you may wonder why that is because i think people using android particularly here in the uk and america and other Western European markets saying, what's the point in that? Those who have used Android elsewhere will know these third-party app stores are really popular, you know, both on the Android open source project device, but also on the Google Android uh, devices themselves. It's a different set of apps, um, maybe some more specific to the local market. There's things like Yandex, which is a big deal in Russia. And actually, one of the clever things that Nokia has done is they've integrated their content into the search in the Nokia store. So if you can't find an app in the Nokia store, it'll actually point you to one of these third-party app stores. The idea here is, of course, is to get as many Android apps as possible on these devices. So all of that's kind of interesting, but how does this work from a, a strategic point of view? 
I think the important thing is people think Android devices, they start thinking smartphone. Well, it is a smartphone, of course, but actually this is really a replacement for the high-end Asher devices. I'm thinking devices like the 503, which I know Steve isn't a particular fan of. Um, <laughs> you know, Hardware-wise, kind of interesting, built to a price point, but the software in particular just didn't feel fit for purpose in the kind of the modern mobile market. And this is where it really comes in. So if you consider it as replacing that, it starts getting a lot more interesting. And of course, there's going to be some overlap with Windows Phone. And I think... Nokia didn't really explain that adequately. It's Lumia 520 and kind of this Nokia XL, which is kind of the larger version of it, which is going to come at $109 before taxes and subsidies. Sorry, um, €109. Euros. But you sort of take all that and go, fine, well, it's replacing that Asher thing. The important thing to then realise is actually running Microsoft and Nokia services. So it's got the rather fantastic Nokia Mix Radio on it and Here Maps. It's also got a few Microsoft services. I think uh, Nokia were a little bit quiet in this. You know, it has got Skype and it has got OneDrive, but it doesn't yet have Office and some of the other kind of first-class Microsoft services. It's actually relying on some third-party apps for some of the things like Outlook, for example. But I'm sure that will change in time. But obviously, that's a very strong contrast with having google search google mail google maps that's sort of the google store so it's going to be nokia microsoft instead and so if you understand this in the context of stephen elop talking about a battle of ecosystems this is very much part of the microsoft and the nokia ecosystem and in one sense the platform running underneath it isn't that relevant um it's become necessary because Windows Phone doesn't get down to those cheap price points. Even with the new announcements, it's going to get cheaper, but will it be cheap enough to compete with the cheapest Android devices? Nokia's saying, no, it won't be. You know, you may have a different view on that. And interestingly, they were at some pains to say that as Windows Phone reduced in price, so would the Nokia X device reduce in price. And so there'll always be a bit of an overlap, but everything will be moving down. So in a year's time, say, we may have windows phone at 75 euros and the top selling nokia x device might be 80 euros but most of them will be cheaper than that and so this is very much a replacement for nokia's asher range of devices particularly the upper half of that kind of product yeah. segment and that does start to make some sense because it's easy to have a knee-jerk reaction and go why on earth didn't they kind of move windows phone down into that price because there's no doubt that addressing this is important because that's where all the growth in the industry is. You look where you know, new smartphone sales are going to come from. That part of the market is growing much more rapidly, you know, sort of doubling in size versus the top end, which may grow, you know, five or 10%. So if you want to make money, that's the place to be. And so if Windows Phone can't address that, should Nokia and Microsoft have a, a product to address that? And it's hard to say. No, of course, of course they should, you know, of course they shouldn't. But yes, absolutely, they need to be addressing that. And so this is why Microsoft and Nokia kind of describe the Nokia X as an on-ramp into the Nokia and the Microsoft ecosystem. And I think that's a pretty compelling argument, and I can get behind that. I do believe it. I think the Nokia X device themselves are pretty impressively made. They're, of course, down to a price point, but they're pretty unique in terms of the build quality and some of the components being used compared to other Android smartphones at that price point. Now, I think it's absolutely fair to say that they may be a bit slow, a bit behind the times, but you have to come back to that price point. Uh, they are going to be maybe a little more expensive than some of the cheapest Android devices if you're doing a direct equivalent comparison. But of course, you then have to say, well, what price can that Nokia brand or that Nokia build quality? 
that's that's i think going to be whether determines whether these devices succeed or fail the software is you know it is what it is um so you know windows phone fans might be sort of holding their hands up in horror but actually i think it probably does windows phone a massive favor because if you can get some of these people who would be buying devices in this price point who couldn't otherwise get a windows phone into the microsoft ecosystem there's a much better chance that they might then go on to windows phone because actually i think where the value is is in the you know the services in that ecosystem but i do think there is a disconnect on the app side and that wasn't adequate adequately explained and there is a really messy story on the developer side you know nokia's effectively got four platforms now you know if you talk about the cheapest devices then you've got asha then you've got x which is android then windows phone and that feels like a messy strategy to me but i guess nokia have been forced into that by the circumstances that they've been through in the last few years and it's a bit unfair to criticize them for that because honestly at this point the only way to sort of make an appealing you know app happy phone at that price point was to go android and they've been very clever in the way they've customized it. It feels like a Nokia device. It feels like a Nokia experience. Things like mixed radio and here, you know, are, are quite addictive. And if you want to stick with those, Windows Phone, as you go up the price point, would be you know, the obvious place to go to. So I think this is going to cause debate for a long time to come. And there's obviously an interesting question about what does Microsoft do with it. But honestly, I think Nokia probably did Microsoft a favor because they've announced it and it's going to make it onto the market. And Microsoft can afford to go, fine, let's give it a go. If it's really successful, fine, they can get behind it. They can really push it and say it's a way to get into the Microsoft world and still promote Windows Phone. Um, but if it doesn't work out, they can sort of get, well, it kind of wasn't really our fault, was it? Um, you know, to those people wondering about Windows Phone and is Lumix going away? No, that's not the case at all. Uh, Stephen Elop and Joe Harlow and many other Nokia executives were really pains to say that Lumia remains our primary smartphone platform. That's where we'll do all our innovation. That's where you'll get all the great stuff. And to give you an example of that, I actually talked to some of the folks from Nokia UK and they said, we're basically not doing Nokia X in the UK. Um, it's going to be all about Lumia because that's where our efforts is. And honestly, that's what we think we'll sell in the UK market. And the phrase you heard over and over again, that this is for emerging economies. And of course, that's where most price sensitive in one sense. And so that Nokia X will be selling in places like Indonesia, India, other Asian markets, probably also Africa, maybe a little bit in the Middle East. And that's where the big sales are going to come from. And it, it could potentially do, you know, 10 million devices a quarter. And that kind of numbers in the Microsoft ecosystem and the Nokia ecosystem can only be a good thing, in my opinion. Now, there's going to be plenty of people hacking about with it. It's already been rooted and had other ROMs loaded on it. And that will be kind of a story that bubbles away in the background, I'm sure. And we'll probably see a lot of attention for that on kind of the tech sites. But that misses the point about the Nokia X. This is a smartphone within the Nokia and the Microsoft ecosystem for that cheaper price point where Windows Phone can't currently reach. And that on-ramp argument, although it's not quite as simple as Microsoft and Nokia would present, does actually have some real validity to it. Yeah, yeah. They're just um, picking up what you're saying there about this being very much aimed at developing markets. People 
forget that there are different models of buying phones. People know all about contract phones, you know, he- heavily subsidized. You, you pay over the course of the contract. That's not something that happens in most developing markets. People are familiar with pay-as-you-go, which is very popular in Europe, whereby you buy a phone kind of outright, but it's also subsidized by the network and usually locked to that network. So there's an expectation you're going to carry on using that network services, and therefore you get it half, basically half price in many cases. Things like the Moto G, which is selling... Um, very, very well-priced, £100 Android smartphone. The actual price is about 160 but you get it for that 100 because it's subsidized by the appropriate network carrier. But there's also buying SIM-free. And I'm presuming in developing markets, people basically buy their phones outright in that regard. And, and as such, um, the, the cheapest Windows phone, which uh, I guess the Lumia 520, uh, buying SIM-free is about £140, um, about 160, 170 euros, something in that mar- region. So a phone coming in at half that price, at, you know, buying it outright, then yes, that is actually a different price point and something I think most people won't have considered. That, that's absolutely right. It's very hard sometimes to step outside your own market. I think the 520 was announced at something like €159 Euros as its SIM-free um, and you know tax before tax price and you consider the most expensive for the uh nokia xl is 109 years and 99 for the x plus and then 89 years for the x plus. so we're talking about you know a 50 percent off the cost at least um and so that is a major difference i mean even when you're talking about below a hundred pounds a five pounds might not seem very much but when it's five percent of the cost of the device those kind of differences really matter as you say it's important to kind of you know, step outside your own market and consider how it might sell elsewhere um, and we've actually been really fortunate in the uk to be able to pick up the 520 with a big big operator subsidy even on the pay-as-you-go model but that certainly doesn't apply elsewhere and that, so i think the attractiveness of this nokia x will be primarily its price point i'm sure there'll be you know android fans out there who will say i'd love to have a, a nokia x device with higher specs you kind of miss the point because it's also a simplified ui and i think that's one of the things where android perhaps struggles in some markets you know there's no problem for you know techie aware people they can use an android device but i think most android not users would acknowledge it's not always the easy thing to uh, introduce a novice user to particularly those that are used to a feature phone with a relatively basic ui and i think that's where the nokia x may actually end up doing you know, quite well because that essentially comes down to the two screens i described I, I don't know how much emphasis to put on that but i do think it's an important factor but uh, you're absolutely right steve you need to understand that the price in the context of what the real price is in each market uh, and incidentally that's probably why the nokia x might not be such an interesting choice in some of the Western European markets, although it would get down to maybe, let's say, £50 if it was available. You know, it's then competing against other smartphones that have a, a bigger subsidy and probably are more attractive as devices go. And of course, you know, the 520 is a year ago model. We'll probably have something updated version of that before too long, um, which will be that bit more attractive. And one of the interesting things in all of this, I actually think. At the moment, you could argue the differentiation between the sort of Nokia X series and the Lumia series isn't all that great in software terms in some ways. But I think with the advent of 8.1, there'll actually be a bigger difference and it may you know, stand out as two more obvious product uh, categories. Because at the moment, there's an argument to be made, particularly at the low end, over which one you're choosing, you know, which one's better. Um, some of the features coming in in 8.1 will make that distinction uh, a little clearer. I mean, it, again, it's very difficult to say exactly how well all of this will do because we're kind of speculating without knowing how the market will react but i did go and talk to a couple of operators at mwc and sort of 
just took some general opinion. It was very positive on the Nokia X, with the exception of kind of diehard Nokia fans who were kind of sad to see Nokia producing an Android device. But the operators were very keen, and usually they're quite cagey when talking about devices, but it's pretty clear some big orders have come in from operators for this particular uh, series of devices. And there are three of them, as I say, the X, the X Plus, and the XL, a kind of a basic model, then a bit more storage, and then a bigger screen version. You know, so... People have been asking me a lot, what do I think, you know, as a long-time Nokia watcher? I'm actually pretty optimistic about the the Nokia X. I think there are some unanswered questions about how the you know, developer strategy will fit together, particularly for the existing developer base on Nokia and Windows Phone. And there is some question about how it will be received by Microsoft. I think there's actually a pretty simple answer to that, though. I don't think the Windows Phone team are going to be all that keen on it because they are quite rightly seeing competing with them at the lower end. But I think the service side of Microsoft, you know, people like Skype and OneDrive will absolutely love it. And make no mistake, Microsoft has known about this device for well at least six months. All the licenses required to kind of integrate things like Skype and OneDrive can't be done in secret. Microsoft would have known about it. They'd have known about it before they made their bid for uh, Nokia that was then subsequently accepted. So this idea that it's been done in secret behind Microsoft's back is absolute nonsense. There will be some bits of Microsoft, probably the Windows Phone team, that were less aware of it or may not even known about it uh, at all. But actually, the same thing applies to to Nokia. A lot of Nokia employees didn't really know about this project until it was unveiled. And if I'll leave you with one thought, uh, it would be that this was developed by the mobile phone team within Nokia as distinct from the smart devices team, those team that do the Lumia devices. And that's reflected in a lot of the thinking behind the device. And they almost operate as two separate groups targeting different bits of the market, different types of users, and think about how to do things in different ways. I guess the, the best example I can give you of that is a little anecdote when I was talking to one of the demo people. They were very proudly showing off the device, talking about all the features, and then saying, it's the thinnest device we've ever produced. I said, I think... That can't possibly be right. Have I misremembered some spec sheets? And says, well, what about the Lumia such and such? And I think I mentioned the 925 and the 1520. He said, oh, well, that's not one of ours. Uh, and this was, of course, it was someone demoing from the mobile to phone division of Nokia, not the smart devices division. Um, and so I think that tells you quite a lot about the dichotomy within Nokia. And I think a similar dichotomy exists within uh, Microsoft. And there are some questions about how all that will play out because, of course, with the acquisition, Microsoft could choose to keep the uh, you know, smart devices team and eventually sell off the mobile phone team. I don't think they will because of this uh, on-ramp strategy that I've described, and it's still doing pretty well. But uh, just one to watch out for in the future because it could go a couple of ways. Yeah, okay. I think I'm going to save your throat and listeners' time at this point. We've got lots more to chat about MWC, things you saw, trends, wearables, <laughs> uh, cars even, yep. uh, presumably not Ferraris. But can we cover all those perhaps in, in next week's podcast, Raven, save the listeners' time here? I think that's a good idea. We're at the 50-minute mark, and we uh, don't want to overburden people with listening to my voice yep. go on and on and on. <laughs> but just to say that were a lot of other devices there, you know, Samsung with the S5, Sony with their Z2 and plenty of kind of low-cost devices from a lot of the Chinese manufacturers. Things from Huawei and ZTE will catch my well as, as well as TCL, that's Alcatel. And like I say, um, you mentioned cars. That's really about connecting with mobile phones. And that whole thing of mobile kind of absorbing other areas was very much present in MWC and actually starting to turn into real products and not just kind of concepts and the same could be said to apply to wearables, but they were the most overhyped bit of uh, MWC 
but we'll uh, we'll talk about them next time because I think it'll be good to go through some of those other topics while we fill in time waiting for the big Windows Phone 8.1 announcement. Yes, and waiting for you and to get back from South by Southwest, which he's at he's at for the next uh, two weeks or so. But uh, you'll probably get him in a couple of all about Windows Phone Insight podcast time. In the meantime, you'll have to catch up with uh, Rafe and myself next week when we do Mobile World Congress Part Two. It's goodbye from now from me, Steve Litchfield, and goodbye from me, Rafe Blanford. Thanks for listening.